What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition, a show aimed at demystifying the entrepreneur experience for those of you looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the people's champ and the voice of the bunker. I'm also a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. In the following episode, I sat down with Marvin Johnson, founder and CEO of Dashable, a mobile app that connects and builds long-lasting relationships between consumers and local retailers through an integrated deal and loyalty platform. Marvin is a former Navy submarine officer and seasoned tech entrepreneur with a passion for building innovative products and teams. Dashable isn't Marvin's first time on the entrepreneur roller coaster. He's run the gambit from a bootstrap entrepreneur to CEO of a venture-backed startup competing with PayPal to witnessing the wheels on that same tech startup fall off. Marvin opens up about what went wrong with his first venture, how he overcame depression after things didn't work out, and how he's using the lessons learned to power his current startup, Dashable. As always, my hope is that Marvin's transparency and vulnerability empower you to overcome your own challenges as you continue on your entrepreneurial journey. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of The Transition. I'm sitting here today with Mr. Marvin Johnson from Dashable. Marvin, what's going on? Not much. Thanks for having me on the show, Michael. Appreciate it. Man, it's been a while. We actually been trying to make this happen for quite some time, but you're a busy man. So I really appreciate you uh, sitting down here today for our listeners. Right, thanks. Better late than never. I'm glad, really glad to be here, as I said. Yep. So Marvin, why don't you do me a favor and go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, my name is Marvin Johnson, co-founder and CEO of Dashable. Uh, we're a marketing platform for local local retailers in the New York City area. Uh, I was in the U.S. Navy. I was a nuclear submarine officer, transitioned from that out to corporate America. I had another startup before Dashable called Icobo, but now my my main focus is building Dashable into a global business. How long have you been working on this venture? So we incorporated, we had the idea several years ago, you know how that goes, you have the idea, you kick it around for a while. We actually got serious about it last year and incorporated the company um, February of 2019. Man, I'm not going to lie, man. I was hyped when I saw Dashable because, you know, I, I think I, I met you at the Dash. It was the Veterans and Residents launch event in New York City. Um, and I remember coming up, man, and seeing your little booth. Y'all had the branding and everything. And to be quite frank, you know, I spent a lot of time in entrepreneurial circles and it was just so cool to see such a diverse team that it like instantly kind of caught my attention. So I was super hyped to see everything that you guys were doing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, we um we know that branding is important because we are a consumer facing company. So we put branding up front and make sure we had a nice logo and nice branding, aesthetic, things of that nature. As far as you no know, diversity goes, and I'm always a fan of, you know, diversity brings, you know, good ideas and you know, breadth of thought. So whatever I do, I try to have a, a diverse you know, crew around me to get that um get insights from different different viewpoints. How has COVID been treating y'all? COVID, we've had some ups and downs with COVID. Of course, initially it was all downward. We went to like when the when it first happened, the lockdown started in New York was a little bit depressing for a couple of weeks. And we figured we we had to stay in the game and figure out a way to pivot and maintain um, our growth in in the New York in the New York City area. So we did some things for good, like we um, did a couple of charitable events to help um, first responders. Um, we collected money, actually delivered cupcakes to um, some of the first responders in New York. We put up a free website uh, to to list restaurants that were still open in new york and doing um deals on takeout and delivery things of that nature and spent some time really just um you know honing our business model and um and slowly growing in new york city we've had kind of ways kind of along with COVID. along when COVID is low 
we get a lot more activity. When COVID starts to be higher, you know, people start to stay home more. So we're riding that up and down wave as as COVID you no know, you no know, rises and falls throughout the year. And how but many? Yeah, but how but, many users do y'all have right now? We have a few thousand um, app users um, and 340 or so business user, businesses on the platform right now. We're trying to take it slow and easy right now during COVID. We kind of took a, a conscious effort to stop signing up as many businesses as, as possible and kind of keep a, a nice level that we can maintain and provide value to the businesses we have on the platform and kind of see um, how COVID progresses over the next few months. Congratulations, though, man. That's no small feat. You know, so many apps come out and have these ambitious goals, but to actually get and retain users is super impressive, especially in the midst of a global pandemic. So kudos to you and your team for making this happen. Thank you. Before we continue rolling with the show, um, you know, one thing I want to, me and you were talking about, you know, in the pre-interview, and I think it's important for our listeners to understand of just how many different ways founders maintain income or get income while we're building our companies. You want to shed some more light on that, on some stuff you've been doing? Yeah, but be creative. The first thing we did as far as keeping the company afloat, we always you know really, um, I would say, conscious of how we spend money. We have a low burn rate. We didn't spend money before we had it and tried to be really, um, you know, as, as, um, as cheap as possible when spending money. So we maintain a low burn rate. So when, um, COVID happened, we didn't have a lot of overhead and recurring uh, expenses we had to pay. So we were really conscious of that from, from, the, from, the, uh, from the get-go. And as far as uh, making income for the company, so we have an outsourced development team, our offshore development team in India. There's a really good development team we have that does our development. So what we've done to start generating some extra revenue, we started sourcing deals for our team in India to do software development, build apps and mobile sites for other businesses as well. That brings in some a good amount of money every month to keep us to pay our bills, that'll keep us afloat and give us some money for marketing. Um, so we're trying to do things of that and just being creative with what you have in your tool set, looking around you. Because every business you build is not just one thing you do. You do several things. And some of those things that you do to do your create your end product can be used by other people in many cases and try to just be creative and figure out what value you have along your whole value chain and where you could use that to, to generate some revenue. Yeah. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand because, you know, when a lot of first time entrepreneurs, you know, they, they don't understand that sometimes you got to get scrappy and you got to get creative and, you know, you got to keep pumping that money into the business because it doesn't just magically appear. And I don't think us as entrepreneurs, sometimes we're not as honest and vulnerable enough to really be open about what it takes to make something happen. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one of the things I like to do with my guests is I ask them to take off their armor. You know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, especially, you know, with successful companies, at least on the outside, you know, we can look like superheroes. And, you know, for the veteran community, the military spouse community out there, this is a great opportunity for us to just be a little bit vulnerable for them and uh, just show them, you know, pull back that armor and show them what it really takes once again. So uh, I'm going to ask you to take off your armor. What is something you're struggling with either personally or professionally as an entrepreneur? No, I, I don't want to harp on money, but money is always a big issue. Access to capital, raising money, and then generating revenue in this environment those are difficult. But access to capital is always an issue. You know, trying to raise money from um, third parties, investors, things of that nature is always an issue. Um, the other thing is just um, being able to maintain your personal expenses. You no, know, you no. Know, one thing is the business is surviving by you know, covering your business expenses, but you also have personal expenses to cover. And finding that fine line where you're not putting yourself too far over your your ski tips, or as they say, um, and overextending yourself and causing issues with your personal relationships, your bills, credit score, all those kind of things that keep in mind. And um, you, know, you have to have a full, you know, a broad view of what's going on in your life and make sure you're not you no. Know, 
you know, getting single-mindedly, single-mindedly focused on just making the business go without looking at the other things around you and the effect of people around you. Um, I think it's very important. Yeah, because when you don't have money coming in to pay your basic bills, that's kind of devastating. You know, it messes with you mentally. And, you know, yeah. this whole mental piece and balancing that, we don't even talk about that enough as entrepreneurs. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. And uh, but you looking good, looking healthy. Y'all, y'all don't get Thank to you, on camera like I <laughs> He's looking fresh. So, you know, he must be doing all right. Trying to eat well, trying to eat well, trying to trying to work out every once in a while as I can. And uh, another thing, as far as like the difficulties, it you know you have up and ups and downs like any anything you do. And being an entrepreneur, running a business, you have a lot of downs too. And you just got to be able to look, keep your eye, keep focused, and you know, maintain that optimistic attitude and moving forward. And things typically don't move as fast as you want them to, but if you keep pushing and have the right attitude, things will will move forward. And you no, know, Rome wasn't built in a day. I just read, uh, I just saw an infographic the other day and listed like 10 companies and what they started as and what they are now. I think it was like Sony started out making like, um, like a wooden rice cooker. Look at Sony now. No Slack. We all use Slack. Slack was a game company and they couldn't succeed at making games. And they ended up making Slack for internal communication tool and Slack became the, the, the company. So you have to be, you know, look what you have in your tool set and how you can leverage that and don't get single-mindedly focused on this is what I'm going to do. This is how my business has to look because the environment may change. You have to be able to, what they say, pivot, you know, pivot and look at opportunities and, and um, attack those opportunities as they come up, come about. Yeah. So much entrepreneurship is just staying alive, especially in, you know, especially in early <laughs> yeah. days. And I forgot who, who I saw say this, but sometimes we overestimate how much we can get done in like a year and underestimate how much we can get done in like three to five years. You know, and I even think yeah. about myself, right? Like podcast production, all the stuff I'm doing now, this wasn't even on my radar almost a year ago, but just kind of looking at the time and the environment and the growth. So I think, you know, me and you are both a kind of testament to that of just staying alive and staying in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be on the field to catch, to catch the ball. You know, you want to be a player, you have to be on the field. If not on the field, when they throw the ball, you know, I can catch the ball. So you have to stay on, you have to keep your butt on the field. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we continue with this interview, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to what brought us here today, Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connected community start their own businesses. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network tools and resources they need to start their own businesses. 25% of transition and service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can connect with the people, resources, and support they need to start and grow their business. We're here for them. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Be sure to also sign up for Bunker Online, our social network for the military connected community where Bunker Labs staff helps make connections to increase your opportunities. Register today by clicking the connect button at bunkerlabs.org. Marvin, man, you were a veteran in residence in New York City. Uh, talk to us about that experience. It was it was a great experience. You know, um, got to refresh some of my knowledge on entrepreneurship. So I, I was an entrepreneur, kind of went to corporate America for, for a while and decided to be jump back into entrepreneurship. I think the thing that stands out the most to me about the um, Bunker Labs Veterans and Residence Program is that the camaraderie between all the veterans that are working there was like um, everyone was legitimately there to learn and to help each other learn and to help each other out as much as possible where it made sense. So it was, um, wasn't competitive. It was, comp- we were competing because we had a pitch night, a pitch day, things of that nature, but it wasn't really, it was more competition than competition. And that was the thing that really stood out to me the most. Um, 
the, the knowledge we gained and also the relationships I, I gained from that and the ability to lean on each other where we where we needed help. Yeah, I don't know about you, but when I left the military, I didn't even know that there was like this network of like veteran entrepreneurs that I could be a part of because I didn't go to business school like you. So I didn't even know that like, you know, I, I kind of want that atmosphere, you know, all these little entrepreneurs. And then, you know, I was part of the first, I actually stood up the first cohort of the veterans and residents in New York City. And ever since then, it's just been great being able to connect with people like you and all of y'all who are continuing to thrive with your ventures. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely a positive experience. I, re- I recommend it. And, um, you know, it was it, it it's, it's unique in the fact that it focuses on veterans. But um, that's like you said, I wasn't aware of anything like that before I saw Bunker Labs um, last year as well. So it's something that's really needed because veterans have um, some special tenacity and ability to do things that the, the I wouldn't say that the average civilian doesn't have. You know, we've all been through things. We've had to push ourselves to the limits in different ways. We had to operate and with uncertainty, which is one thing that entrepreneurs need. You no, know, you in the military, at least my experience, you had to make decisions without having time to sit back and think about it for six months like you do in corporate America. Every decision, there's a committee, you sit sit back, talk about it, do PowerPoints, Excel spreadsheets, and maybe make a decision when everyone's secure that nothing's bad is going to happen. But in the military, you have to get whatever information you can get right then and make a decision right then. And entrepreneurship is more like that than working in corporate America. So I think, and, and I've had to work for days on end in the military, you know, and I hear people saying they had to have a 12 hour work day. Uh, I've had 50 or 60 hour work days before. <laughs> so your, your, your reference point for what pain is, is a little bit higher. <laughs> Let me tell you, all man, we had a great office at WeWork, uh, West 57th Street. And I would go in there, man. And Marvin was always in there grinding. And I would be watching Dashable online. You know, I watch your social media stuff, and website. I'm like, man, this stuff is really nice. Who did, who did that? He's like, that's me. That's all me just kind of grinding it out. But, you know, again, people don't I don't know why people think this stuff just magically happens. You know, it takes work. And you all people see the end result and like, whoa, how they get that done? But there's like three years of work before they got to that point. You know, and you only see sometimes you see the, the end result like that happened so fast. Well, how they do that? But no, a lot that went on before that, before you see the end result. Yeah. Yeah. Great end product. Yeah, Marvin's in there. He's got his headphones in, looking fresh, you know, always suited and booted, got the laptop up, you know, moving around, but he's getting after it. And, you know, one thing I want to ask you, because this isn't your first venture, but in incubators, accelerators, whatever, you know, everybody says it's always what you make of it. What have you seen from companies like you that are staying in the fight? The ones that, you know, because, you know, a lot of times you come into these programs, people have all these great ideas. A year later, two years later, you don't see them anymore. They've kind of moved on. What is it that you've seen both when your success and from your peers that you've seen to keep cultivating and nourishing these ventures so that they can succeed? I think there's a perseverance and also building your network. Um, and you always can't be so like um, pointed in your relationships, you know. I have a philosophy when I enter a room, there's people around me. I try to get to know people and not like I have to know that one person over there in the corner because I, I looked at their LinkedIn profile and that's the person I need to know. There are other people in the mix that you may be able to, I wouldn't say leverage, but you may be able to mutually benefit each other either now or in the future. And just building those networks of um, people that you trust and people that know you and trust and respect you. These opportunities are sometimes come up, you know, uh, serendipitously, you know. You have to be there and not always be. I know people that they only go to meet. I want to meet this guy. And I'm only going to talk to that guy and I'm leaving. But I was even at a Bunker Labs event. It was um, 
a networking event with the mentors. And I met an attorney there and we ended up getting some pro bono work from this attorney. I wasn't there to meet an attorney, but I met this attorney, started talking to him about their firm, what they did and what we were doing. We ended up getting a, a good bit of you no know, pro bono work from, from our law firm just by that connection, just maintaining those connections, those networks, I think is like they always say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So not saying go out there and just meet everybody, be a butterfly, but you know, you have to have your mind open to meeting different types of people and open yourself up to that. Put yourself in a position to succeed, you know, having that, that given yeah, attitude exactly. though. So Marvin, let's take it back, man. Talk to us about your journey to where we are today, you know, from uh, joining the military to then becoming an entrepreneur. I want to know how it happened. It's a long journey. <laughs> so my father was in the Navy. Um, he's a, a master chief storekeeper. And that kind of um, gave me the idea that I should be in the Navy as well. So I got an ROTC scholarship. Uh, I thought about, I looked at the, the Naval Academy. I went to this meeting and I saw Pleep Summer and I saw all these guys just not having such a fun time. I said, I can just go to ROTC and go to a party school and get my degree there. That's what I did. I went to University of Florida on an ROTC scholarship. Um, applied to Nuclear Submarine Force. I did that for about six years. I was on the USS Norfolk. Um, did um, officer recruiting for my shore duty and got my MBA. And I went to work for a um, a software company um, at a business school for a while. And then I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was actually on a, f a phone call, a big conference call at this company. And they were talking about really sensitive things across the company. And then the the, the conference center, um, I guess, secretary or whatever, started typing. And the VP in our room said, no, who's that typing on the phone? And it was the conference room, I guess, administrator. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I was like, well, she shouldn't be listening into this conversation in the first place. Uh, these, these conversations should be secure, like in the military. So uh, myself and my current CTO, Tony Carter, started a company called CypherLink, which is a secure messaging and document transfer, secure encrypted email system. It was uh, quite a while ago, and we couldn't convince people that security, email security was a thing that people should do at that point in time. It was before all the stuff we see now. But we actually created a platform, had thousands of users, actually sold the software to a couple of banks and a couple of um, law firms. And then we actually ended up merging that company into Icobo. And what Icobo was, was a, a global money transfer company. So we allowed people to send money to anyone in the world, um, go online to our website and send money to your mom in the Philippines or Kenya or wherever. And we delivered to your mom a prepaid car loaded with those funds. For a couple of years, we had customers in 120 countries around the world. So people were sending money you know, all around the world. We even had a, a customer in, in, in Antarctica that had a card of ours. I guess there's an ATM in Antarctica somewhere. And they would get money at the ATM in Antarctica. So we built that, raised some venture capital. And that's where things start to go a little bit sideways. And one thing is like um, a lesson that we learned is not, not all money is the same when it comes to investment. And not all money is good money. Every er, all, The money you get from somebody... The money you get is always attached to a person or a company. So it's not the money you're getting. You're also tied to that person giving you the money. And people come in all of a full spectrum of good, bad, and the ugly. And we end up raising money from, we, we took a bad deal when raising the money. And that kind of led to the, um, the flatlining and demise of Icopa after we built it to a, a really fast growing global business. And I went to work for. So the first Sorry. part of that, right? We bootstrapped. We bootstrapped it for a while. We bootstrapped it for like the first year and a half. Um, then we found some investors, some private investors who put money in and um, really worked side by side with us to build the company. And then we ended up raising VC. And it took us a while to raise venture capital, like to over two years of pitching and things of that nature. But we finally closed the venture capital around. 
And then I did some consulting after that. And then I got into financial services, worked for MasterCard for a while doing product development um, and product management for MasterCard, which led me to Dashable. So you've got the full experience, you know? Um, I think you bring up a good point because we don't, the venture capital thing, you know, people got to understand, are you a small business? And then are you a, a growth, a startup, right? And what are VCs looking for? You could have a successful, what's, what's small business dedicated? Like 25 million? Is it considered yeah. small business? So you could have a company, yeah. good users, 25 million. But for a venture capitalist, they're looking for like mass market takeover, right? Yeah, they want billion, they want billion dollar businesses. They want to get 10 times their money back. So, um, and they really want you to grow and grow fast. And you can lose yourself in that growth. Because if it's all about you know, chasing growth and not really chasing your vision, there could be a disconnect there. And you can look at companies like like using Facebook, for example, what Facebook was, what Facebook is now. And that all is driven by investors and shareholders driving them to make more and more money every every quarter. So it leads you to do things that you might not have done if it was just a private company. So you have to figure out what you want for yourself, what you want while the company and, and what you really um, want the company to be as far as fulfilling your vision. You know, it's not just about raising money and making the thing as big as possible. You have to be along for that ride as well. It has to be something that you want to do. As what well. was the experience like leaving that company? <laughs> um, Dashable? I mean, um, yeah. Kobo? It, it was terrible, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> but it was, we grew up from four people to almost 50 people. It was like a big, happy family. And we're really, we're really killing it. You know, we're really growing. We're growing from 30 to 60% a month. It was like one of those rocket ship type companies. Um, the founders of PayPal called us because we're competing with PayPal. PayPal was pretty new back then as well. And they called us and wanted to meet with us because they were like, what are you guys doing? We can't replicate what you guys are doing. So my co-founder went out and met with them, Peter Thiel, because um, they were just really trying to figure out how we we're doing what we we're doing. And we thought we were on, we thought we were going to be, you know, we thought we were going to be billionaires. We were, we were sure of it. And then it kind of fell apart. And then we all fell, we actually, I guess we all fell into a depression and took like years and years to like resurface from that because it was just like, it took the, it took all the wind out of yeah, our sails. You see Marvin with that full circle route, you know, I've, I've heard <laughs> entrepreneurs talk about it. You kind of get that burnout, then you go work for a little bit. Then you kind of get back in the game. And so it's super humbling knowing you went from like 50 person company, everything to just getting it at the VAR <laughs> headphones and a laptop making, <laughs> yeah. magic, making magic happen. Yeah. Everybody has, everybody has their own story. You got to make your own story. It's not what you can't look at how someone else's path was done. Maybe you take some notes from what somebody else did, but their path is their path. Your path is your path. So you got to make and write your own Absolutely. story. Absolutely. So now talk to us about Dashable. So you you leave that you leave the first startup, go back in corporate America, working for you said Mastercard, and then MasterCard, how did we yes. come up to to Dashable? So Dashable was just kind of like I saw different things at Mastercard around loyalty rewards. Like there's got to be a better way to do loyalty rewards. And then and I spoke to some business owners who actually had run Groupon deals, and they're just telling me how bad Groupon was for them. You know, they didn't have control of their deals. It cost a lot of money and people didn't come back with the main things. Then myself, I use Groupon myself as a customer and I use it, but I wasn't really a fan of it either. I was like, well, if all these people are using this service and nobody likes it, there's got to be a better way. So I kind of kind of started tossing some ideas around and, and talking to a lot of business owners and came up with Dashable. So we kind of um, made sure that we're creating something that business owners would like and would provide them value. So we talked to a couple dozen businesses before even... um deciding to get serious about it and actually created like a, a really not even MVP, minimal viable product, something that kind of looked like what we want to do and let people 
respond to it before we started um, actually building. So getting that market validation first. And then yes, building a sure. product uh, around it. So break it down for us again. Break down Dashable for our listeners. So Dashable is a self-service platform that lets any local retailer, pretty much any business you can find listed on like Yelp or Google My Business, a local local businesses. It's a self-service platform that allows them to go and create in real time deals and promotions. So it takes them less than 10 minutes from the time they land on our website. We have an active deal or promotion in our on our platform. That dealer promotion becomes available in the Dashable app. We have a pretty slick interface where you look for deals around you based on your location. You can also kind of swipe right on deals you like, swipe left on deals you don't like. They kind of indicate your preference or dislike for a certain deal. And we have a machine learning engine or artificial intelligence in the background that kind of takes your behavior as a customer, your swipes left and right, and what you do with the app. They kind of build a profile around you, about you, to kind of so we can um, forecast the types of deals and businesses you you might want to um, visit. And we can start presenting to you deals that you're going to like without you having to search through a thousand deals to, to figure out what you want to do. Um, so that's the basis of our platform is the deals and promotions. And as a customer, you can go redeem the deals in real time without paying anything up front. So if you have a, see a deal you like, just take your phone to that restaurant and show them your phone. They press a button on their phone that redeems the deal and they accept payment directly from you. So we don't take any revenue share from the business owner, things of that nature. And we just launched this past week, our loyalty program, which is pretty much to put it um, succinctly is those, you see those paper digital loyalty cards you may see at an ice cream shop or coffee shop, you get 10 stamps, get a free coffee, or ice cream cone free. We've taken that, made a digital version within Dashable. So now these businesses can have digital loyalty cards that are in the Dashable app. So wherever you go, as long as you have your phone with you, you can have all your loyalty cards there in your Dashable app. And you scan the QR code to get a star. Once you complete your loyalty card, the business owner has created a deal that you get when you complete your loyalty card. So you get your 10 cups of coffee. Once you've done, the platform creates a deal for free cups of coffee and then puts that deal in your app. So you can go redeem it for your free awesome. cup of coffee. And how's that different from, I, I don't use Grubhub or a Groupon, like you said. How's that separate from Groupon? So Groupon is pretty much, it's not self-service. So it's like a, a long sales process to get a deal up and running on Groupon. It could take you weeks to post a Groupon deal. Ours is as you see fit, you know, when you want in real time. And then Groupon, as you you may know, when I want to buy a Groupon, I buy that Groupon from Groupon. So if, I, if I'm getting like $25 meal, a $50 meal for 25 bucks with my $25 Groupon, I pay Groupon $25. I don't pay the restaurant anything. Then I go to the restaurant to redeem my Groupon. The group, the restaurant gives me my meal. They have to cover all the costs of that. They still haven't gotten any money yet because Groupon has it 25 bucks. Then sooner or later, maybe a couple of weeks later, Groupon gives the restaurant half that money, $12.50. So Groupon keeps half the revenue. We don't do any type of revenue share. It's all real time. We charge businesses a small subscription fee per month to use our platform as much as they awesome. want. Awesome. So that makes sense. So yeah. let me ask you this, all right, yeah. using all the lessons you learned from your previous ventures, even your time at MasterCard, how have you approached Dashable different than your previous hustles? So we did that market validation up front to make sure we're doing something that would be accepted in the marketplace. Um, we really, really focused on keeping our burn rate low. And some of that was just the network I had built, like finding the offshore developers. I knew them from my past life and just maintain, maintain those relationships. Um, those are some of the, the big things that we've And you done. are raising venture capital for this? 
and raising and raising another thing as far as the fundraising we are we are launching a crowdfunding campaign actually today but at this point we've been bootstrapped we raised a small friends and family round but we've really been conscious of like building value before we go out to the markets and start raising money um because the sooner you raise money the more of your company you have to give away and the more control you lose and what i found what i really discovered during our cobo business is that Control is key. So you want to maintain control as an entrepreneur as long as possible and potentially forever. Um, because once you don't have control of your 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 business, you don't have control of your own destiny. So our goal was to maintain control, bootstrap it as much as possible, you know, find these alternate, so, uh, alternate sources of revenue to, to fund the business before we start raising external capital. And we actually just launched our crowdfunding campaign today. So we're actually raising right now um, up to $250,000 using the net capital platform. So uh, people can go invest right now in Dashville. The minimum investment is $100. And the new um, SEC rules have made it a lot easier to um, raise money from the crowd. And you don't have to be an accredited investor to invest. So now the benefit is that um, those small investors can invest in early stage startups when before you couldn't. Only, uh, only the privileged few could actually invest in a company at Dashboard at this at this stage, but now with these crowdfunding cl- platforms, it's available to them. The mass. Market. One thing I'm going to say about that too is uh, kudos to you for making that happen because that's a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of filings and all that kind of stuff you have to do on top of running yeah. and managing your business, which we're going to come back to. But I do want to say that within the veterans and residents ourselves, you know, there's Mike Lloyd, Dope Coffee. Um, you've got Anthony Gant. Um, at ease PCS rental, both have run crowdfunding campaigns. You know, Mike raised, I think, uh, $107,000 for dope coffee. Anthony is just over 250 now. He's trying to get 500. But um, I mean, it's it's real powerful to see you all step out into this space, you know, and kind of set the, yeah. what's the word I'm looking for, man? Show all these other veteran entrepreneurs out there what's possible. Because I know when we we're coming out, when you were coming out the military, did you see a lot of veteran entrepreneurs like this? No, not at all. Not at all. Let alone (laughs) in the startup space. And I think that's what makes you unique is, you know, you're definitely, you and Anthony, both in this startup space, building these technology platforms when we're already underrepresented as African-American, you know, entrepreneurs. And so adding that veteran piece to it, the grit, determination, super powerful. Now, one of the things I want to ask you too is, um, could you set some insight on this? You know, I hear a lot of times when you're raising venture capital, it can also distract you from getting customers. Um, and all the stuff that it takes to actually build a business. You've kind of did it before with your first venture. Can you talk to our audience about that pit, you know, of where maintaining that balance? It's it's hard. It's just, it's hard. Um, because when you're a small company, there's a lot of things to do. And it does, just because you're small doesn't mean there's not as many things to do as a, a slightly larger company, but you have less resources as far as people to get things done. So it's a, it's a time suck. You know, raising money is, uh, is almost a full-time job. So like at Icobo, we did one of was one of our co-founders just focused on raising money, you no know, twenty four seven. That was his full time position. Uh, so we're not at the um, we're not at the stage where we can have one of us go raise funds all the time. So I'm doing that on a part time basis. But I do see when I'm focused on that, the focus gets pulled from something else, like our social media marketing. You know, I'm also doing a lot of our social media stuff. So when I'm focused on fundraising. I might not post to Instagram that day or the next two days. So it's like this give and take, but then I had to make sure I had to go back and um, pay attention to that. And what I do sometimes I just try to block my days off into hours. You know, I'm going to, I don't check my email throughout the day. I have certain windows where I check email, certain windows I'm working on this topic, that topic, and that topic to keep myself you know, moving forward 
on all the things I need to get done and not letting things fall to the wayside and being conscious of your time. You have to be conscious. Otherwise you get down a rabbit hole and you're focused on something and things start to fall to the wayside. Just being you know, conscious yeah, of your one time. Thing I've, I've been working on is uh, just being effective. You know, it's like, how can I be effective today? Yeah. Like some days, you know, you get beat up. You're like, man, I ain't doing anything today. But if I get a proposal out, I meet with a prospect. That's a big deal because that could potentially turn into some some good revenue. So for you, what's the what's yeah. the most effective thing you could be doing as a as a CEO of Dashable on a daily basis? I think the most effective you can do as any leader is keep the people working for you or with you, making sure they're effective because they're multiplying your your force effect. You know, I, I worry about what I'm doing, how effective I am to some degree, but also making sure that everybody working with me, we have like seven people now, make sure everybody else is effective because that multiplies what I'm getting done, what the company's getting done. So not just you, but more also the people that are working with or for you as well. Make sure they have what they need. They know the direction so they can be doing things that, you know, that's a good, that's a good point you bring up too. Cause I'm curious to learn how have you kept your team motivated? You know, cause they're, I'm sure they're dealing with the uncertainty and all the mental fatigue and the lockdown. Talk to us about that as a, as a leader. Yeah. So my thing is just being honest. So everyone knows the ups and downs. So no one's like no one's surprised at what's happening or what's going on, where we're going, what the struggles are and why the struggles are there. I make sure we have a small team now. So I'm very open and upfront and I get input and get everyone's thoughts. So everyone feels like they're part of it. So it's not you no know, everyone's working for Marvin. No, we are all working on this thing together. And I have a philosophy where I want everybody working in the company to have some kind of ownership stake no matter how small or large. So it's not Marvin's company, it's our company. And when people feel like it's their thing, they want to make it, they want to make it go. And they're, they are less discouraged. They're also building their own company for themselves as well. So that kind of, that's how I, that's what I, that's what the tool I use more so than anything, just to be honest and transparent. And, um, you can't just always be, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always want to sell, 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 <laughs> but you can't always sell, sell. So you got to be honest and upfront and let people know the good, the bad and the ugly that we're kind of like we're all in this together. And you, know, you own part of it, too. And, you know, let's let's shepherd this thing and make it. Make, and what make about yourself? How have you kept yourself motivated? I don't know. <laughs> I just natural. <laughs> I'm always optimistic and I have confidence. I always want to move forward. And I know that, I know that you have bad days where things like, wow, why are we doing this? Because like things are hard today. But, you know, things you got to think about the things that went well and always keep that vision in mind and, and, and think about, no, you had, you had a vision and you were optimistic about it yesterday. So what happened today that's changing? That's a fleeting moment. So you got you to think about the positive and take time to, um, I take time to to not work sometimes. I like to work all the time, which is a, a problem I know that I have. So now I try to stop working at 10 o'clock at night. I try to shut my computer off at 10 p.m. And I start at 7 and I try to shut it off by 10. And, and Saturdays, I spend Saturdays with my girlfriend. We go we go do stuff on Saturdays. So just to make sure I have time allotted to, to think and breathe and, and enjoy life a little bit. Otherwise, you can just, as an entrepreneur, you could, I, at least personally, I could just work all day, every day and not look up and just the whole world around me, especially in your personal relationships may, you know, may, may, may have issues if you don't pay attention to them. And those things are just as important as any company you're, you're trying Absolutely. to run. It's build. hard though. I feel you. I'm like you, man. Like, why am I watching Netflix? I can get stuff done. You know, excitement, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It just feels like you're in this really, really long marathon and you know that you're just like sitting on the bench. You ain't yeah. getting nowhere. Um, so I can get, I'm just like you, man. Yeah. I put my headphones in. 
and I'm I'm down. I look up and it's like eight, nine o'clock at night, you know? Yeah. And you, and you can't let yourself feel that way because you feel you feel like you st- if you stop and watch Netflix, like, what am I doing? I could be doing this. And you just you just you, you got to you got to unwind and relax. Just like I'm going to relax for two hours and just I'm going to put my phone down, turn it upside down so I can't see any notifications and just force yourself to relax. And you, you're more effective after that. Do you, did you find it fun, no? though? Do you find working on your venture is fun? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I, I get up. That's for I get, I pick my, I keep my laptop by my bed. I pick it up from the floor and put it in my lap before I got out of bed in the morning, check my emails and Slack and everything on my phone. I just love it. It's, it's not like, it's not like a job. Yeah, that's what I'm it's saying. It's like fun for me. So like watching Netflix ain't really as fun yeah. as like making this dream happen, you know, but you're right about that whole, you <laughs> yeah. know, balancing, you know, there's obviously more things that matter than just sitting here at our computers grinding it out. Yeah. What about health and yeah, wellness? Sure, definitely. Staying in shape. Oh, I was off and on. That's that's that's. I need some help with that. You should probably help me with that. <laughs> I say it's off and on, but working out at home. Like, I have not gone back to the gym yet into a physical gym. So I try to work out at home. I actually went to the I went to the park yesterday with my daughter. I met my daughter in the park. We worked outside in the park. But um, when it's nice outside, I try to get out and do stuff. But um, it is it is. That's something I have to figure out better because I sit here, I'll work all day and this state, I'm going to stop working and move five feet and work out in the living room. My desk is right there. It's like, it's not, it's not, not the same as forcing yourself, force yourself to go to the gym. My laptop's right there. So I can just stick on my laptop. Absolutely. Baby steps, man. Baby steps. I try to work out every morning. It's a battle, but uh, I know, I just know I feel better when my body is taken care of. I can feel myself slipping. Yeah. So, how about post-COVID plans? Yeah. What are your future plans? Talk to us about, you know, where you see the future of Dashable headed and yours as a as an entrepreneur. So post-COVID, you no know, people will be getting out. So our our platform is mainly um location-based and is predicated on people actually going to visit different places. So um we expect when COVID starts to um, to die down, people will be going out more and more, and businesses will be looking for ways to um, to promote themselves and build loyalty. So I think we'll be really well positioned when things start to open up. And just like when COVID first happened in New York, we had a lot more interest when COVID started than we did before COVID. Because um, before COVID, we went to like some business we go to, like, oh, we're doing fine. We don't need to, we don't need a loyalty grow. We don't need to, we're doing great. Then, then when COVID hit and the lockdown started, we called them back. Oh yeah, I want to get on the platform. Now I need to, now I need some help marketing. But I think when people come back, it'll be, um, uh, it'll be good for us. And we're looking at doing some other things as far as um, online ordering and e-commerce things that is as well. And we're going to get into the payment space as well. Um, that's not really COVID related, but we're going to get into payments. My background is in fintech, so we're going to add some payments functionality. I like that, to, bringing um, it full circle. And you're right. People in New York, they want experiences. Yeah. You know, they want to get out and pick apples and go, you know, <laughs> go hang out at a brewery, do something. Um, yeah. And it's interesting you bring this up, too, because I know when I think about my experience now with like a restaurant or something, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to Google this restaurant and go mm-hmm. to it. I like look at the YouTube video. I go online, I go to the website. So there's this whole like digital engagement that is happening with restaurants now uh, that probably wasn't existing, what, 10 years ago? Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm glad it's interesting you brought up that, that point, digital engagement. So the long-term strategy of, of Dashable is to help these business owners engage with the customers and cross the entire customer lifecycle. So like deals to get new customers in the door, 
loyalty to keep these customers coming back. We're adding other tools like email marketing, push notifications, SMS marketing, um, social media marketing, all within the platform. So from one place, the business owner can engage with those customers and cross the entire customer lifecycle. No. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, man, that's smart. It's like a brand in the, it's like you've got this package, you know, to help them level themselves up mm -hmm. because now what you're starting to see with brands in general, people just need connection too, you know? And so brands are filling spaces that, you know, it's about more than just like the restaurant now. You know, it's like people like seeing the owner get on IG yeah. live and do all this kind of stuff and say, hey, I'm out here at my restaurant. Come by and say yeah. hi. You know, and it's just like all this exciting stuff mm -hmm. that's happening. And you're at the forefront of that. Awesome. Yep. Any tips, <laughs> um, any tips and pointers you have for our listeners, like any podcast or books or anything that you're listening to now that you uh, can give them for as a takeaway? Um, so as far as podcasts, like a lot of stuff I listen to is like, I try to, when I do, I'm not working. I try to do things to clear my mind. So I, I listen to things like the daily every day for podcasts, like political news, things of that nature. And as far as reading, I probably read stuff that no one else likes to read. I, I read things like game theory. So I would like to read more textbook type stuff. So I just read like a, a game theory book um, recently. So those are kind of things I'm into, which is. Probably not that much. Let me ask not you this. How much has your NBA helped you as far as being an entrepreneur? It, it helped initially. I think it helps you talk to talk and, um, you know, so you know the terminology, things of that nature. Um, as, you know, on a scale from one to one to ten, it's probably like a five or a six. It's not, not necessary, but it helps you give credibility when you can talk about, you know, financial statements and this, that, and the other, you know, just so you know the lingo. You can learn that lingo anyways. Um, so do, so it's know, safe to say for our listeners, if they so don't have an MBA, they can still figure it out? Exactly. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely not required. MBA probably helped me more yep. corporate America. So y'all hear that? Don't let that be a deterrent. If you don't have an MBA, we, you can still get this thing off the ground. All right, Marvin, before I let you go today, okay, you've got listeners. You've got those within the Bunker Labs community. We got veterans and residents. We got Launch Lab Online. And then we have some that are just tuning in because they're interested in pursuing entrepreneurship. What closing remarks or final thoughts would you like to leave them with as they continue down this entrepreneurial journey? I would say people that are getting started, it's been done before. A lot of people are just like, over, they think it's something like you can't, everyone can do. I think Everyone has ability to be an entrepreneur in some some way. You may not you may not be the person that's going to build the next Google, but there's small business. It's, there's a, there's something people can do to work for yourself and build value and wealth for yourself, um, whether it be big or small. And you have to have the confidence to take that first step and put yourself out there and learn along the way. And nobody knew all this stuff before they started a company, but you kind of learn along the way. When we started iCobo, we had no, we had, we knew nothing about financial services and ended up building a global financial services company. But we just, you know, stuck with it and learned along the way. You know, that you have to, you have to start somewhere. You know, you just start, and you, then you'll find the next step, and then you find the next step, and the next step. You don't have to know the final step when you start. Just keep moving. You know, you know that first step. I, well, you know what? Keep Do you moving. ever think yeah. about? Uh, that first, you remember you said people weren't protecting their email, you know, back in the day. Now, cybersecurity, people are starting a business in January. They're selling it by like December. You know, do you ever think about that? I do think about it. But the thing is, some, you have to, sometimes you're, you're ahead of the market. You have to stay there, stay in the stage. You got to stay in the game, you know, 
And there's so many, you hear a lot of stories about these overnight successes and quotes, but there's a lot of stories about people that just clung around for you know, 10 years, just pivoting and grinding and all of a sudden opportunity uh, appeared and now they're there. Like, like using that Slack, for example, there's no one IPO like last year and they spent years and years before that, you no know, failing. And now they're not a failure at all, but they stayed in the game. There's so many examples of people just having that perseverance in there and believing yourself and your vision and, and just being aware of you know, where you should change your vision. You know, you can't have blinders on, you know, or you're going to miss the opportunity. But if you're smart enough to Marvin get going, you're smart enough knowledge to finish. in the gyms. Where can our listeners find you at, Marvin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter sometimes and on LinkedIn. Yeah, you can send um, me the links. And also, the, the links? Uh, add Dashable on social media if you're not uh, already. Yeah, of course. So at Dashable, D-A-S-H-I-B-L-E is Dashable. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And also, of course, with the Apple, Play, Apple App Store awesome. and Google Play Store. Well, Marvin, thanks again for sitting down with us today, sharing those words of wisdom for our listeners and for everyone else. I need you to do me a favor and subscribe to The Transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from the information. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, Visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local newsletter, and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected in Bunker Online, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs today. Register today by clicking on connect at bunkerlabs.org. Thanks again for joining us, Marvin. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.